Hi, I wanted to let you know that I have a brand new, totally free masterclass available and I'd love if you wanted to check it out. It's about an hour long and it goes over three simple things that every dog owner needs to know in order to teach a dog quickly and easily without pain, force, a major time investment or fancy equipment. When you register, you'll also get a free 20-page ebook all about what I call the dog training triad. You can find it at anniegrossman.com slash masterclass. My name is Annie Grossman and I'm a dog trainer. I'm the owner and co-founder of School for the Dogs, a dog training center located in Manhattan's East Village. For the dogs, school, school for the dogs, for the dogs. For the dogs. On this podcast, I talk about dog training, interview industry experts, discuss pet trends, answer questions, and try to communicate my love for all things related to behavioral science. Thanks a lot for listening. I think this podcast will help make you the best possible human best friend any dog could ask for. Hi, thanks so much for taking the time to talk. Oh yeah, sorry I didn't confirm. I was like, yay, she said yay, and we're fine, and I never confirmed. My only concern today is that um, my husband had to jump out on a little emergency thing for work, and uh, normally he keeps the dogs outside playing while I do podcasts, so I hope they don't bark at anything. If there was an, ever a podcast to be on where barking dogs in the background is appropriate, I think it's this one. Okay. <laughs> no judgment. They're dogs. They bark. What are you they do. do. <laughs> they do. Um, so we, I, I haven't talked to you in about a year, and um, I selfishly just wanted to hang out with you for <laughs> Okay, well, I year, want to hang out with you back, so that's okay. I know. I feel like I feel like we should be friends, but we we don't live near each other, and <laughs> in this day and age, we don't need to live near each yeah, other. Yeah, I know, I know. So we need excuses to hang out because yeah, once well, a year, is... once a year isn't enough. I don't know. I just I really enjoyed talking to you last time, and of course, I'm a fan of your work. Um, and um, yeah, I just wanted to find out sort of what the last year has been like for you in your work, both as, um, you know, dealing with people whose dogs with separation anxiety, but also dealing training trainers, because I have a feeling um, you've had a, a busy year. And uh, Oh boy, have we ever. Yeah. Tell me, just tell me about what's been going on and, and maybe we can talk about the why in the future. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess I guess you just for someone who's just tuning in for the first time, maybe you should just introduce yourself with a brief bio. Sounds good. Uh, I'll do that. So my name is Malena Demartini, and I have been working exclusively with separation anxiety for over two decades now, just a little over two decades. Uh, I'm the author of two books on the topic of separation anxiety. The most recent one was released last year in 2020, uh, and it is quite up to date with all of the research and understanding that we have about separation anxiety, which is tremendous. And it's been 
quite a boom that we've uh, got so much um, information, evidence, and research coming forward um, about this topic. Is that is that what separates this book, you think, from your your first book? Very much so. But I will say this: my first book, even though that was only uh, what seven or eight years ago at most. Uh, what is that? 2013 or 14, something like that. Um, it was everything I knew to the best of my ability. And one of the things that was so great, so great is that when I started training other dog professionals to do what I was doing with separation anxiety, our, her masses kind of grew. And then we had collective data uh, where we could say, huh, you know, this is not nearly as effective to do it that way as it is to do it that way. And so this new book is what I know to be the most efficient and effective way to help dogs with separation anxiety. And the, the previous book, um, while still, you know, viable and, and certainly good information, has some things in it that don't necessarily get to the end point as quickly as we potentially could. Give me an example of like a protocol maybe that you feel has changed. Um, One of the things that we used to do, which was in the first book, is um, teach separately from the absence training. We were spending time teaching dogs to settle on a mat or go to their bed or, you know, to to sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, a bit of a relaxation protocol. And um, that was one piece that we started to see that it actually, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it and it's certainly beneficial for any dog, but when you're working so hard to get your dog over separation anxiety, the addition of one more piece of training that you have to do, if it's not going to produce much value to the end of, you know, to the end game, Um, we shouldn't include it. And so that was one piece that we were able to eliminate. Uh, And we additionally started to focus, interestingly enough, on a lot less involvement of interactive feeding toys and uh, other food involvement in the beginning of any separation anxiety protocol. And that's, um, I think, surprisingly has been just a game changer. So less less work outside of focusing specifically on separation is what it sounds like you're saying. Exactly. That's right. So skipping, skipping the other stuff. I mean, like you said, though, it all sounds like stuff that can't hurt. I mean, feeding your dog in a puzzle toy can't hurt, right? It sure can't. And we, we always encourage people to, you know, include enrichment in their dog's lives. Um, But we don't need to incorporate it into the actual daily sort of 20 minutes, 30 minutes at most um, training sessions that we do specific to separation anxiety. And um, part of what inspired that, not only the collective wisdom from all of the certified separation anxiety trainers, but also um, there was a seminar that I gave several years ago. And uh, it's a bit of a long story, but I'll I'll curtail it and say that there was a gal in the audience 
that kept asking questions like, well, what about if we incorporate lavender oil? And what about if we incorporate relaxation training? And what about if we incorporate, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F? Uh, and every time I said, well, you know, certainly can't hurt, but, um, you know, that means more time, more training, more maybe expense, more emotional bandwidth, financial bandwidth, time bandwidth. And finally, there was a gal in the audience that raised her hand and I said, you know, yeah, what, what do you have, you know, what's up? And she said, and she burst into tears and she said, I just need to tell you that the question about, can you do also this and also this and also this? She said, I've been working so hard on my dog's separation anxiety for the last six months. And if someone asked me to do just one more thing, I might give up. Hmm. And so I, that resonated with me so much to where if we can simplify this and distill it down to just that 20 to 30 minutes a day of concerted effort towards working on separation anxiety and not overextend people's bandwidth, I think that's really important because this is not an easy behavior for most people to um, become successful with. And so we don't want to overburden and overtax them with extraneous things that might not really directly affect the separation anxiety outcome. Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's shaping, isn't it? It is. It's, <laughs> I always talk, talk about, you know, like how, you know, the, the continuum between classical conditioning and operant conditioning. I mean, it's all operant conditioning basically with you just start out with no criteria you start out at zero, right? This equals that. That's right. <laughs> and any and shaping always just should should ideally be starting out with with, you know, as little criteria as possible, preferably preferably none. <laughs> Cuz you just want to focus on the animal, you know, feeling good before you start, you know, asking them to um, do anything hard. And so it sounds like what you have hit on is that with clients um, or anyone who's dealing with a, a dog who has separation anxiety, you don't want to overburden them with, you know, and you should do this and you should do this and you should do this. But then there are, of course, the people who are going to just want to be doing everything. And and it's interesting that you say that, Annie, because um, we get, people that I, that I call, you know, keeners, you know, they're very keen on, I've got to do this as quickly and, uh, you know, throw as much at the dog as possible. Um, and I'm still very careful with those people because I think it could be wrong, but I think that the expectation, if you do, if, if we're just doing that 20 or 30 minutes a day of training, and we know we can make, you know, a certain amount of progress. And then the client also incorporates, you know, X, Y, and Z. There may be that expectation that the process is going to be, you know, more rapidly uh, accelerating. And oftentimes their disappointment 
is palpable because they feel like I'm doing so much mm. and we've only now accomplished, you know, a five minute absence or whatever it is. Right. And, uh, and so setting really realistic expectations and keeping people from burning out on the process because they're devoting all of their time, money, and emotional bandwidth towards this training effort. Um, I think it's important to kind of, you know, protect them from, from feeling that. Have you read the book, The Human Magnet Syndrome? I have not. It's a book about, um, it, what you're talking about makes me think about it. It's a book I read about on a, on, I believe on a vet's, a vet site. I forget which vet it was. It's not about pets though, but the vet was saying how when you work with pets, you're working with a lot of people who have codependency related issues. Um, and, uh, and then this book is about like narcissism and codependency and how they go hand in hand. Anyway, what, what's interesting to me about what you're saying is it feels like it spells out kind of the codependent, like personality of type of like I've done X and I've done Y and I've done Z and no one else can ever do as as much as I've done and it's still not working sure you know what I'm talking about I do I I absolutely do and I think it's important that we remember that you know (laughs) regardless of how much spaghetti we throw at the wall even if it's stuff that's in the can't hurt might help category, um, you know, it adds up and then people do have different expectations. And um, if we can really mitigate their understanding and their expectation in the very beginning saying, you know, this is going to be a slow process. Mm. We're always going to move at the pace of your dog. Uh, And that dog is on biological speed. They're not on digital. They're not even, you know, on analog. They're on biological speed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and really set them up for success. And we spend a lot of time celebrating what most people would think are virtually minuscule wins, right? But they're not, they're not, they're huge. If a dog can go from freaking out one second after the door closes to let's just say five minutes while being relaxed and comfortable, that's, you know, a like percentage increase wise, that's phenomenal. And also mm-hmm. from the understanding of the dog's welfare, that is tremendous. Yeah. So how has the last year, uh, how has the last year been for your program training trainers? I'm curious to hear because, um, I think with so many people, uh, it it seems to me like we're, we're in a moment both where people are thinking about separation anxiety more as, as they've had dogs that they've been home with all the time. So it's become kind of like a hot, hot topic in a way. Um, but also it's a moment where a lot of people have been interested, I think, in switching careers, plan B type careers. So I guess I'm asking you two questions in one. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Pick your question. I guess like, tell me about how the last year has, has been for people dealing with separation anxiety, considering so many people got dogs and so many people are, you know, experimenting with different regimens about whether or not they're leaving their dog at home or not, et cetera. Yeah. And also how it's been training trainers. So I, in the beginning of the pandemic, I, you know, I heard, I had my little spidey senses up like, ooh, if this lasts a long time, we could be facing 
some some potential you know increases in in issues regarding the number of dogs that have separation related problems and um then when it went past six and eight and ten months i was like oh my and we also saw the adoption or the acquisition rate uh, not just adoptions, but, you know, new um, purebreds too. We saw so many new dogs. Um, it's more than 50% of the households in the U.S. added a pet during the pandemic. Wow. Which is, wow, right? That's a big number. And, um, and so, you know, all of those dogs that were acquired during the pandemic have had very little experience, and not all, but most have had very little experience with alone time. And so there's there's the there's a big difference between a dog that uh, just needs to be sort of habituated and acclimated to, oh, this is the new norm, I'm going to be left alone sometimes. And then the other dogs that really do have separation anxiety, which could have been contributing because they've never, ever, ever been exposed to such, you know, alone time. And so we actually don't know, you know, chicken or the egg. We're not sure. Is it they're not used to it or is it that they already had anxiety? We just don't know. Um, but we saw such an un, <laughs> unprecedented increase in the number of people that have contacted us um, during pandemic times. And I, I want to say that some of that is because lots of these dogs have never or rarely been left alone. But I also want to point out, I think there's a lot of other factors that are at play. One of them is that separation anxiety has gained a lot of exposure in the media. And so just that new awareness of people that people have, uh, I think, contributes to them saying, oh, maybe I should watch my dog on camera and see what's happening. Um, so there's that. But there's also just technology in general. You know how few people knew of Zoom prior to the pandemic and every you know person from the age of five to, to 105 knows what Zoom is now. And now that that, that technology is so available to everyone, people are using it to take a peek at their dogs and they're surprised at what they're seeing. And so there's that, I think there's that. So I think there's a lot of contributing factors to why we've seen such an increase. Um, and I don't expect it to die down anytime soon. Um, I think once we are fully established in post-pandemic times and go back to whatever normal is going to be, um, we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of potential issues. I think there's unfortunately a, a fair amount of people that don't know that right now is the time to prepare for their dog's alone time, and they're just going to hope and pray and assume that when they go back to work or other life activities that their dog's going to be fine, and they may, they may be facing a pretty surprising and unfortunate uh, awakening when they find a, when they get home and find the note on the door from the neighbors and the, uh, you know, the shredded uh, carpeting or something like that. Right, right. Um. Has this led, you think, 
to uh, more people specializing in separation anxiety as trainers and or to more people coming to you and saying, I want to be a dog trainer and this is what I want to be focusing on? Yeah, it really has. Um, I was just talking to a, a colleague of mine this morning and I caveated this the same way with her. I am not a not a particularly arrogant person and I don't like to boast. But one of the things that's been really interesting to me is, you know, there was very little, if anything, out there that really taught the skills of separation um, anxiety training and protocols um, prior to 2013 or so. And um, when I started my program, I literally was like, I think I'll just beta test this. I bet no one will be interested. Uh, And then, of course, in the last seven or more years um, that this has been going on, the demand for this type of uh, uh, education has grown tenfold. I mean, it's incredible. And, and uh, many of my students have started their own schools uh, to train other trainers uh, and to also, of course, train uh, uh, and work with clients. Uh, and so in, for us, um, you know, because we are sort of the premier and the, the, the um, you know, pioneer in this education, um, we are we are inundated with inquiries and um, we're starting to book our classes for our certified separation anxiety program in um, into 2023 right now. Wow. What is, what is the program uh, entail? So it's a 14 week program um, and it is very intensive. And one of the things that I really pride myself about this program is um, I feel very strongly that the people that are accepted into this program are already fairly skilled, maybe not in separation anxiety, but in understanding dogs, understanding dog body language, and also particularly in uh, understanding how to communicate effectively as a behavior counselor. Those counseling skills, you know, from, you know, trainer to, you know, to, to client, to human uh, client, um, I think are really important. And so our protocols um, within a program um, are, it, it's about, um, you know, I always tell people put aside at least six to eight hours a week for the 14 weeks. But I was talking to someone today that said, wow, I spent at least 15 hours a week working on all the materials. Uh, And that may not sound like much, but I try to tailor it for people that are, you know, full-time professionals. So they, they can do this without having to, you know, quit their job or stop taking, uh, you know, clients or something like that. Um, And what we do each week um, uh, we, we, we hold the program on Tuesdays and Fridays and each week, um, there is a new pre-recorded webinar that the students listen to. And then we, um, we review, uh, questions and comments and kind of take a deep dive into that material. And that happens twice a week. So there's two webinars a week and two 90 minute discussion groups. There's also 
quite a bit of uh, quite a demand that we put on the students for homework and um, creating protocols and learning how to write what we call missions for clients. Uh, and we give extensive feedback individually on each and every student's homework in addition to their midterms and their finals. So, um, you know, it's amazing that we put a lot, a lot, a lot of effort towards our students. We want them to be absolutely the best practitioners out there, um, but we ask a lot of them too. And mm -hmm. I've had so much great feedback that, you know, people are like, I've never taken a program where I was so handheld. Uh, and I, I really appreciate this, those kinds of, you know, comments and feedback that I've gotten. Are you the main instructor or are there other instructors? I am the primary instructor, but we have two other instructors. My co-instructors, mm -hmm. uh, Tiffany Level and Maya Huff-Owen, um, both of which have incredible skills. Um, and they really, I feel, round out what I'm able to offer um, because we all have sort of different talents and uh, abilities insofar as, um, you know, Maya happens to be brilliant when it comes to all the research and Tiffany happens to be incredible when it comes to client counseling and cheerleading. And I'm sort of the, and here's the brass tacks, you know, so mm -hmm. I, I feel like we make a really great team and that every learner has the opportunity to sort of hear all three of the different directions and perspectives that we have mm -hmm. uh, and so that they can absorb in the learning style that they um, best are able to um, absorb material. Mm -hmm. And uh, so how many students do you have right now? So we offer the program twice a year um, and each time we offer it, we do one program at 9 a.m. Pacific time and one program at 2 p.m. Pacific time. Mm -hmm. And that was intentional because we have people in Australia and Singapore and Europe and, you know, all over the place. And so some, you know, times of day don't work with those other countries. And so, um, you know, we've, we offer the program in two different segments. It's a small and rather intimate group in each. We take only 10 students uh, in the 9 a.m. and 10 students in the 2 p.m. Uh, and we're just about to start with our next 20 students, 10 in the morning, 10 in the afternoon, in, in a few weeks. Um, but there are now 130 uh, CSATs, Certified Separation Anxiety Trainers, all over the world. Amazing. That's so cool. So fun. Um, and uh, tell me, are a lot of these people um, working exclusively virtually? 100% are working exclusively virtually. That's so interesting. Because this separation is really anxiety yeah. is... Yeah, and, and I've been working with separation anxiety virtually for, well, let me see, over 10 years. I'm, I haven't met a client in person, unless I just want to, you know, meet up for a coffee and meet them. But I haven't met a client in person for at least 10 years. Wow. And separation anxiety has is one behavior 
I think many behaviors are this way, but particularly separation anxiety really lends itself to being way more effective um, through virtual training. Because if I come over to your house and sit in your living room and talk to you about what we're going to do, and then we walk out the door together, that changes the dynamic of a normal absence. Mm -hmm. And so if I can just watch you exit the home and see all of the things, all of the nuanced body language that your dog is expressing, um, that's a real absence. Um, and uh, so we get such a better read while working virtually. And that's why we're so fortunate because we have, you know, clients in every hemisphere that you could ever imagine. Um, we have clients all over the world and it makes it hard on the schedule. Sometimes I start, I have a very early start to my day and sometimes a very late end to my day, but it's, mm -hmm. but it's a good thing. But do you have trainers who work for you now or are you doing, are you doing all the training yourself under your brand? Yeah, no, I have, um, we just added a couple. So I think we've got 15 or is it 16? I have to, I'd have to count. Um, um, CSATs that are directly working for me uh, and all of the clients that come in through my brand, through melinademartini.com um, are funneled to those employees. Um, and, and so, and, and, because of these times with, you know, such a prevalence of separation related problems, um, all 15 or 16 or however many there are, I really can't remember at this moment, um, are at capacity. So we're actually <laughs> trying to add a couple of more people to pick up uh, the slack on the wait list that we have. It's just, mm -hmm. it's amazing. Um, but um, there's also, obviously there's a ton of CSATs who, work um, for themselves. And it's been a really interesting journey for me to watch many of them come in and say, yeah, I just wanted to learn a little bit about separation anxiety because I get the occasional case. And so many of them have transitioned their entire businesses to be 100% separation anxiety only. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm excited. I'm interested in doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Annie. You better get on it. We want you. We need you. Um, are there, I'm just curious, are there other programs for people interested in specializing for separation anxiety? And do you think any of them are, are worth mentioning as, I mean, I, I guess they might be your competitors, but I'm wondering if there's anything that you think is, is any good. You know, unfortunately, I'm not particularly impressed with, mm -hmm. um, the couple of, you know, programs that are out there. Um, feel I'm so passionate about separation anxiety and I feel that a couple of the programs that are out there are very much um, about sort of flash and here's a shiny object and um, you know we'll give you some information with a bunch of handouts or well, you know those sorts of things mm -hmm. um, but they don't really teach the students like, how are we dissecting every little bit of this and how are we going to support the clients through this process and how on earth do we determine 
what the pace of the dog is. And then we, we go through creating all those levels of criteria and truly dissecting every sort of bit of granular information so that people understand not just like, okay, this one sort of not very, you know, intricate case I can do, but anything that's outside of, you know, the simplest, um, I'm not sure how to tackle. And I think people that graduate from our program are ready to take on just about any dog that is experiencing alone time anxiety. Mm -hmm. How much, um, how many sessions do you generally, do you and your, your trainers generally do with a given client? Like what's an average? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll tell you the way we have our sort of packages set up. Um, we work in four week in increments. And uh, so minimum to start is for is four weeks. And um, we work five days a week with the client. So it is 100% hands on. Um, and the client, it, it takes all the guesswork out of it. The so client every, every client you work with, you work a minimum of one, one day, I'm sorry, you work a minimum of four weeks and over those four weeks, you're meeting five times a week. We don't, well, we meet one time a week in zoom and then the other four or five days. Uh, so it's, you know, it's five or six days a week, really. But the other four or five days, um, we have shared documents and spreadsheets that we go in and we say, this is exactly what you're going to do today. And then um, that same day, the client goes in and says, this is, this is what I observed for each and every one of the individual steps that you told me to do. And then based on their input, we create the very next day's worth of um, training, which we call missions. And so that's how we work with them five days a week. It is I mean, they get so much support. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and one of the things that I felt was really revolutionary for me, because, you know, having done this for, for over 20 years, when I started, I was doing the, the sort of typical model. We meet one day a week or, you know, something like that once every seven to 10 days. And we talk about what you did and how, what you're going to do next. And, um, that may work okay for doing, you know, teaching someone to, I don't know, put a recall on their dog or something like that. This is far too intricate for that. And so we want to take 100% of the guests work out of it for the client and say, this is exactly written out in extreme detail what you're going to do today, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, no wiggle room. It's Simon says, I say you do this and you do that. It's and funny. It's funny to me because again, it's just like you're, you've, you're applying the dog training principles of, you know, absolutely set, set criteria and shape behavior and, um, you know, create a richly rewarding environment, et cetera, et cetera to the to your students that's right <laughs> Which that's i guess right. is the key to your success or one of them um and and do you think most of the people then who are who are going out and then doing their own thing are working a similar um syllabus I think um, almost all of them are. I think some people have, you know, made their personal modifications for their whatever their reason may be. 
Um, but we have a very, very involved um, and interactive group, um, Facebook, private Facebook group that the CSATs are involved in. And from what I see, you know, most of the 130 are doing this exactly the way that we are doing it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you also have like virtual courses for uh, non-professionals. Um, tell me, tell me about those. Yeah. I can't even express how surprised I was. I created a course uh, called Mission Possible. It's an online self-paced course. Uh, You get um, uh, lifetime access to the course and it's over 30 modules or lessons uh, filled with video and, you know, written information and handouts and manuals and the whole nine yards. And it is, I intended it initially because I thought, well, there are those people that for whatever reason, even if it's just they don't have the financial means to work with a trainer one-on-one, I want them to still have the right information. Uh, And so I developed that course with that in mind. And I thought, oh, you know, it's going to be the little, the little train that could, you know, and, uh, but it has grown substantially. And what has been such like, it makes my heart go pitter patter is that we've got a lot of people, a lot in that course. And um, so many of them are really successful. And it's it, it still to this day, every single time one of the students in that course, you know, makes a post that says, Uh, You know, my dog just made it to four hours today. You know, we're finally graduating or whatever. I just, I'm so blown away that people can take on this very, very nuanced process and sort of DIY it through our program. And um, yeah, it's it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. And I I think there's a lot of professionals that also take that program, that course, um, just to kind of get their feet wet on how to um, understand what's going on with separation anxiety. So we've had great reception and I love going in. I go in seven days a week. I know I should take two days off. Annie, don't shake your finger at me. (laughs) Uh, But I go in seven days a week to that course and I answer everybody's questions and comments. So people are not alone in that course. And um, it's been it's been really um, wonderful and eye opening. So I've recommended your course uh, a bunch of times to people because like, you know, like you said, sometimes you need. Like some people, and I mean, I'm no, I'm like this in a lot of areas of my life. Like, I need to have an appointment to someone if I'm gonna like yes. get, get myself to work out. <laughs> you know, like I need that accountability, even though I, I probably agree. figure out doing that stuff on my own. And I think dog training is the same. Where, you know, if if you if you can get that kind of coaching, that's great but some people are going to be able to do it without it, whether that's because of desperation or just, you know, good motivation to at a lower price point, it's great for people to be able to, to do yeah. that. And actually the other thing that we've been finding, which has been really cool because we've had a, a little bit of a wait list for a while, what we're doing is asking people to, um, you know, go into the course while they're waiting for their one-on-one training. And what we found is that those clients 
are so much better prepared because when we start our one-to-one training on day one, they have all the right questions. They know exactly what's going to happen, you know, and they're like, okay, maybe I I can't self-motivate and maybe I'm a little nervous about writing my own criteria. So I want to have you as a one-on-one trainer, um, but... I know what we're doing and I know which questions to ask and I know how to observe my dog's body language. I know what is entailed with, you know, what their panic point is, you know, what their threshold is, all that kind of stuff. So it's actually a really good educational base, even if you do want to work individually right. with a, a client. I mean, a, yeah. a trainer. It's interesting because I say the same thing about our good dog training course that it's like, you can do this and you're just going to start that much farther ahead when you do sit down with a trainer because yeah. you're not going to have to be playing catch up on, you know, understanding how dogs learn and that kind of thing. That's um, right. So do you think that um, like this last year has been a good thing for, for uh, separation anxiety I, well, I mean, a good thing for separation anxiety with dogs or a bad thing? Like, do you think it's made more dogs who are going to have separation anxiety or do you think it's brought more awareness to people about what it is and in order to help them treat it? I think it's been a little bit of both. Um, I don't think that we have, like, created separation anxiety in dogs. As a matter of fact, um, boy, you'd have to kind of have the perfect storm. And I guess we would say this, you know, pandemic has been a little bit of the perfect storm, but you'd have to really try hard to like give a dog separation anxiety. Um, But there are a lot of dogs that have been acquired during the pandemic that just have zero experience with alone time. And so they may not. Yeah. Well, well, to be clear, I'm not saying we like gave it to them. Like we gave them a a vaccine or something. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or the opposite. I mean, do we uh, ha- have we brought dogs into homes that they're maybe ill fit for um, at a at too great of a pace? Boy, that's a big, big question. <laughs> I don't. I don't honestly know the answer to that because there's a part of me that feels like, wow. What a beautiful thing this pandemic has brought forward insofar as, you know, tons more fosters available, way more people adopting and and, and acquiring animals, um, not just dogs. And, uh, you know, so how awesome that we have all of these new homes. Um, But you're right. Was there a lack of preparedness or maybe understanding would be a better way to say it. Uh, and is there going to be a big concern as people return to work and other like life activities that they'll say, oh, well, now I don't have time for this dog. And I also have a dog that's, you know, barking all day. And so are we going to see some, you know, relinquishment numbers go up? I don't know. But I do feel like awareness has become so much greater. And for that, I, I am ever so grateful because I think there's a lot of people that have just no idea why their dog is 
barking or, you know, chewing stuff up or eliminating in the house when left alone. Uh, and obviously there's differential diagnoses there that it could be boredom or something else. But for a lot of the dogs that do have separation anxiety, I'm so grateful that people are aware and can now, you know, literally jump on Google and find some resources. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it's, it's, it's been a, a good thing and a bad thing maybe is what I we think so. <laughs> um, well, Melena, thanks so much for talking and, um, I'd, and I'd be interested in doing the professional course at some point. Cause I don't see myself going back to the studio anytime soon with, <laughs> with two little kids. Um, I know any, so. like I, I used to, in the very beginning, when I first started the program, I used to like try and reach out to parent parents that um were you know dog trainers that are like well I'll get back to it eventually and I'm like no this is the perfect profession for you you know when your kids are taking a nap or your you know your mother is able to watch the kids for two hours and you're like I'll do a couple of clients and bada bing you know it's just so how old are yours uh, I have a two and a half year old and a two week old. Two weeks? You're doing a podcast <laughs> and you only have a two week old? Oh my gosh, Annie, you're amazing. She, she is strapped to my chest this whole time. She's oh, she, that is she the is, most beautiful thing. Yeah, she's like super sweet and easy and quiet and lovely and adorable. And <laughs> oh, congratulations! Yeah. I just put I put a photo right before I started post. Uh, we started talking. I put a photo on Instagram. Um, that oh, I'll go check it out. Can see, you can see her. Yeah, she's she's. Um, I don't know. Two two and a half year olds are a lot harder than two week olds. Well, yeah, <laughs> a lot more going on. Yeah, we need to get you into our our certification program because I bet you would enjoy it. I know how much you geek out on stuff, and yeah. I, I I think you would really enjoy it. All right, I'm excited. We'll talk to you soon, Melena. Thanks again for taking the time. I will definitely talk to you soon. Let's stay in touch and we can be virtual friends. We don't have to be just meeting for podcasts. Yes. You know? <laughs> I'm into it. Okay. All right. Bye. Me too. Bye. Take Bye. care. Bye. If you are dealing with separation issues with your dog or just want to learn some more, you can do Melena's Mission Possible online course and get 50% off if you use our affiliate link. Just go to schoolforthedogs.com slash mission and use the code SFTD at checkout. I also suggest you go back and check out the episode I did with Melena a year ago which talks about her uh, entry into the world of separation anxiety and also gives some really good tips, um, which I think are especially useful to those who are uh, going back to work, perhaps after just getting a dog in the last year. I will put a link to that episode in the show notes. School, school. 
Thank you so much for listening. And special thanks to Bill and Lizzie of Toast Garden for the amazing theme song. You can find Toast Garden at youtube.com slash toastgarden. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping at storefortheDogs.com. And you can learn more about us at schoolforthedogs.com. You can also connect with other listeners by downloading our brand new app. Just visit schoolforthedogs.com slash community.